Ho, ho, ho! Greetings from the North Pole, and welcome to Money and D. We're giving presents to all the boys and girls for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We've been making a list and checking it twice and delivering common sense solutions to all your complex problems. Naughty or nice. And now, here are my delightful elves. Oh, <clears throat> sorry, I mean doctors. Okay, John, the money elves are back with more prescriptions to stick in your stocking here for Christmas. <laughs> it is that time of year. You wouldn't know that by the weather, though. It's quite warm out there. It is amazing, isn't it? <clears throat> a little, little warm. We like it a little bit in the south, but, you know, having some cold weather is nice. It is, and but I think it'll be here for Christmas Day. I, I think, think so. I think, I think that's right what, around the uh, corner here. I think it's following Santa down from the North Pole, so. It's coming. It's coming. But, yeah, we have some exciting things, I think, to talk about here, talking about, you know, things for your stocking. Um, we got tax cuts to talk about. Hey, that is a great stocking stuffer. It is, and it's a done deal now. So lots of details about the tax plan. We're going to unpackage that for Christmas here and talk about some of those details and some of the great things we're for the new year. We're going to open some of the presents early. We are. I like it. We I are. like it. And then we're going to transition into um, looking at uh, past generations, Steve. We, we see pitfalls that our parents have made, grandparents have made, and you know, if you can learn from these lessons and implement them in your own life and also your kids and grandkids, um, you know, you can help out future generations. So we're going to dive into some of the things that you want to make sure that you're avoid some of the money pits that we see past generations have done. And we'll uh, got some good good tips on that section as well. Yeah, that'll be a good one. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. Or should I say money elf? With over 22 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro and also a money elf uh, for this week and a money doctor along with you, Mr. Marbert. And um, been uh, working with corporations and individuals for over 25 years with planning and uh, happy to be here today. Absolutely. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, go to our website, moneymd.net. We have the podcast link. Um, go back and listen to past podcasts. We also have a lot of videos that we uh, have recorded recently and uh, some really good topics in there and also a Facebook page. Um, we have some really neat uh, videos we put out there weekly for the prescription of the week and we rotate them in the office so you get different personalities and perspectives on it. So go check out our Facebook page. Yeah, absolutely. Also, email us your questions. We would love to hear from you. You can link to us directly off the website, or you can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this is uh, pretty interesting. Earlier this year, um, got this out of the uh, Charles Schwab magazine, um, the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, took action against 27 individuals and organizations for publishing misleading financial news, hmm. a.k.a. fake news, right? That's right. You heard fake. that term quite a bit this year with fake news. Right. <clears throat> and, right. you know, many of these instances, Steve, um, the public companies, they had hired individuals to generate some positive publicity for their stocks by posting stories on, on different websites. So yeah. we always talk about don't make decisions based on headlines. And this is just another reason not to do that because – a lot of them aren't true. That's exactly right. And this is nothing new. You know, in the industry, we call that pump and dump. Mm -hmm. That's what they do, right? They pump up a stock. They We get faxes in talking about stocks all the time, you know, in our office, wanting, you know, assuming that we might be enticed to buy it or something for our clients. And and it's just, it's just fake news about some stock. I get emails all the time, and I'm sure you do too, 
that refer to like as seen on Shark Tank, some new product, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I went and researched those occasionally, and I'll look and see if they were really on Shark Tank. Never on Shark Tank. Really? Interesting. Though they, they, when they say they're on Shark Tank, they were never there. They're just lying. They're just trying to pump up some product. You think there's any pump and dump dumping going on with Bitcoin and some of those? I don't know if there it, is, but there's man, there's cra- a lot of news out there. There's some crazy stuff. Going I would on be with surprised that. if there's not some of that going on. But just be careful with headlines. Don't make decisions based on these headlines because it's going to be wrong most of the time. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, good financial fact of the week, and that leads up to our first topic here, and that is. The biggest stocking stuffer of all, John. Yeah, this is a big bill. This is big, you know. Tax cuts unpackaged here. We're going to unpackage this before Christmas. That's right. The 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 jobs, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which was just approved this week by Congress. I mean, it's it's a done deal, and it's pretty sweeping tax legislation. Contains a lot of provisions that are going to affect you. Um, you know, however, to keep the cost down, the bill, the Senate rules. All of the changes affecting individuals will expire in 2025, after 2025, and will sunset and revert back to the current rates for individuals. Of course, you know, politicians, they never let taxes go up on the average voter. So you can bet that those sunset provisions will be made permanent for anyone below a couple hundred thousand, mm-hmm. I would suspect. Just like they did in 2010 with the Bush tax cuts, those were also set to sunset. And they made them permanent for everybody under 200000 So I would expect that's going to happen. I wouldn't worry too much about that. For the higher income folks, though, enjoy it for the next eight years because, yeah, I would bet yours are more likely going to go up if you're over a couple hundred thousand. But, you know, under this new tax bill, a family of four can make about $57,000 now without paying any income tax. Yeah, it's a pretty good deal. Zero. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. yeah. And and just, a, I guess, a comment. So I, I don't know. We haven't really talked about this, but, um, you know, there's some naysayers that are talking about the budget deficit going up one point trillion, one point five trillion dollars over 10 years. And right. So if we don't get growth um, in the economy, then that, that could be a negative. But let's be real here. I mean, the deficit has doubled over the last eight years. So those people that are yeah, talking about the deficit, where have they been the last eight years? So, oh, it's been incredible. Um, you know, so hopefully the, the growth and the GDP will increase and so forth to pay for this. That's the goal. And we actually only need like a quarter to 0.4% GDP growth to totally pay for that. So it's not that much. And when you talk about $1.5 trillion over 10 years, that's 150 billion per year where our budget, you know, is like 3.8 trillion. So it's not as big a percentage as it sounds like. And it doesn't take a lot of growth in the economy to you know, to make up for that. Certainly if we maintain over 3% GDP growth. Yeah, that'll be a positive. It will be a positive, yeah. So this is all great news for the average person. I mean, you're going to see your paycheck go up as a result of the withholding changes in February once this bill kicks in. That's going to put a little more money in pretty much everybody's pocket almost immediately come February. So it's going to be a very positive thing. So we're going to dive in some of the details here. So, um, and all these details, you know, they start most of them in 2018 here right around the corner. So first, how about the tax rates? Yeah, tax rates. And this is, like you said, um, 2018 to 2025. All of the brackets are being reduced by 3 to 4% except the lowest 10% bracket that's staying in place. The top rate is now down to 37% from 39.6. And uh, special brackets will apply for dependent children with unearned income. So that's you know a detail 
built in there. But you know, good news, Steve, is the standard deduction is increasing to twenty four thousand for married uh, taxpayers filing jointly, and uh, about twelve thousand for individuals. So there would be no more personal exemptions. But for most people, that's a big number. They're going to be able to reduce their income by, which is going to help reduce their taxes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people don't itemize. I'd say at least half the country, if not the majority, do not itemize. So getting that standard deduction going up from uh, twelve to 24000 um, even though the exemptions go away, still it's an increase overall for the average mm-hmm. family, and uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So that should be a benefit. Also, the corporate and pass, pass-through income deduction um, comes into play. You know, the corporate rate is a big deal. It dropped from 35% now to 21% for all C-corporations. That's been in place for about 30 years now that we've had 35% maximum uh, corporate tax rate. It's made us uncompetitive around the world. And all of a sudden, you know, we're going to be a player around the world in terms of taxes and attracting corporations at a lower tax rate. So I think that's going to be a big deal for the economy. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, for tax years starting in, in next year through 2025, individuals, though, will also be reduct 20% of qualified business income from partnerships, S-corporations, sole proprietorships, as well as 20% of qualified real estate dividends and qualified corporate dividends um, that, you know, are part of a publicly traded partnership. Mm-hmm. So the definition gets a little murky. This is a real complicated provision in there. Um, so, you know, just because you have an S corporation doesn't mean you're going to get this deduction. You know, if you're part of a specified service trade or business, then they phase that out once you get over about $315,000, um, on a joint return. So, um, it's a little bit complicated, but it's positive. Bottom I think line, for corporations. it's positive for corporations. It is. Yeah. And then there's the child tax credit. The bill is going to increase the child tax credit to $2,000 per qualifying child. That's a really big deal for folks with kids. You know, the maximum refundable amount of the credits can be $1,400 now. So that's a doubling of the child tax credit from $1,000 to $2,000, John. And for the average family, you know, that has two or three kids, that's a really big deal. That's a lot of tax credit. That's a credit. That's a dollar for dollar offset on your taxes. So, you know, the bill will also create a new non-refundable $500 credit for qualifying dependents who are not qualifying children. So, you know, if you're, if you're uh, you know, divorced, maybe that, that comes into play. The threshold at which the credit begins to phase out is going to be 400000 for married taxpayers filing a joint return, 200000 for other taxpayers. So again, the average family of four, when you take that credit into effect, they can make $57,000 today with no taxes. Yeah, that's that's good. That, that's, that is going to be a benefit. Um, consumer spending drives the economy um, a lot of times, so what we see in the past. So that's a great credit. Another one, educational provisions. The bill would modify the 529 plans to allow folks to distribute no more than $10,000 for tuition uh, during the tax year for elementary or secondary school, um, certain homeschool expenses expenses would also qualify as eligible expenses under the 529 rules. So some education things going on in there as well. Not not a huge, um, you know, game changer for most people. No, but it kind of makes the the, uh, the 529 plan now kind of replace the 
Um, the ESA, the ESA, because education savings account, because you know now you can use it for secondary education, which is what the um, uh, the ESA was always had the major benefit of right. the five twenty nine plan. So that's a pretty interesting provision. Also, um, you know, home de- itemized deductions are going to change. The bill is going to repeal the overall limitation on itemized deductions um, through twenty twenty five. So the phase out of itemized deductions will go away. Uh, mortgage interest uh, deduction would be modified to reduce the limit on uh, mortgage interest debt to $750,000 from the current $1 million. That still covers the vast majority of people, $750,000. Home equity loans interest deduction would be repealed through 2025. That's so interesting. That's interesting. A lot of people know. do that. Right. So that's a that's significant. You know, for some people, yeah, a little bit of a take back there. Yeah, another one here that was very controversial, Steve, is uh, state and local taxes. Under the final bill, individuals would only be able to deduct up to ten thousand um, dollars for you know filing jointly for state, local income taxes or property taxes. So, um, you know, people that live in California, New Jersey, New York, um, that's going to hurt them. Yeah, it's interesting how the Republicans use this as a dig against the, the That's Democrats, right. I heard that. the blue states. I mean, and they this was really a sneaky provision because it was a significant dig to the blue states, the Democratic states, because those are the ones that are higher tax states. Those are the ones that have high property taxes. And now they're not deductible above ten thousand dollars. So uh, yeah, that that's a big one. That's a big. A lot one. of people are going to. It's painful. The higher income folks, or even you know, the middle income folks, quite frankly, up in those those areas, are going to hurt with that one. So um, they are. Another yeah. one here, Steve, is casualty losses under the bill. Taxpayers can only take a deduction for casualty losses if the loss is attributable to a presidentially declared disaster. So hadn't heard that one yet. Yeah, that's interesting. So a lot of these little miscellaneous deductions go away and these smaller deductions and more obscure things. But the home equity or the mortgage interest above 10000 is a big one. And then charitable contributions. Um, the bill would increase the income-based percentage for charitable contributions of cash to public charities to 60%. Right now it's 50% for cash. So, but it would uh, also deny charitable deductions for payments made to college athletic seating, uh, event seating rights, which it should. I mean, come on, you know, you're buying a seat. (laughs) So, you know, then there's the miscellaneous itemized deductions. Pretty much all of the miscellaneous itemized deductions that are subject to the 2% floor on their current law are going to be repealed through 2025. So, again, it gets rid of all the miscellaneous itemized deductions, all the little things in there. Um, so that that could be a little painful if you have a lot of those. And then there's the medical expenses. The bill is going to reduce the threshold for deduction of medical expenses to to um, 7.5% of adjusted gross income for the next uh, next couple of years. So that's kind of strange. Right now it's 10% threshold, so they're reducing to 7.5%. Reduced it a little bit. Another one here on the list, Steve, which will affect people is alimony for uh, any divorce or separation agreement after um, 2018. So it started in 2019. The bill would provide that alimony and separate maintenance payments are not deductible by the payor spouse. So right now when someone makes an alimony payment, they can deduct it from their taxes, it would also repeal the provisions that provide such payments um, 
you know, that are included in income by the pay payee spouse. So that's a little painful <clears throat> for somebody. If you're paying alimony, it is. You got to pay all the tax. For that's it. right. And it's, that's, that's what, what it boils down to. to. Yep. That's what it boils down to. Yep. Yep. So that's um that's interesting. Uh, moving expenses, uh, the deduction is going to be repealed, except if you're in uh, in the military. So, um, you know, some of these are not going to impact you know uh, a, a big segment, but there are going to be people that are going to feel this. Um, that's going to hurt them. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. If you're receiving alimony, on the other hand, it effectively increases your alimony. It does. So interesting provision there. Exclusion for bicycle commuting reimbursements. Uh, the bill <laughs> will repeal the through 2025 the exclusion from gross income or wages for qualified bicycle commuting expenses. Okay, that's probably a pretty, don't probably don't have that in the CSRA too. Not a whole too lot many of people. that here. So the urban folks, sorry, can't, yeah. can't ride your bike to work and deduct it. Then there's IRA recharacterizations. The bill is going to exclude conversions, contributions to Roth IRAs from the rule that allows IRA contributions uh, to one type of IRA to be recharacterized as a contribution to another. So you can't contribute to a Roth and recharacterize it back to an IRA and vice versa. Prevents people from using the recharacterization to kind of unwind a Roth Roth, Roth contribution. you got to just take the money back out. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. And then estate and uh, gift generation skipping transfer taxes. All right, this is a pretty big one, you know, for estate taxes. I mean, for the really wealthy, obviously, the bill is going to double the estate and gift tax exemption for estates of of people dying um, and gifts made after December 31st this year. So, and it's going to go through, again, 2025. So it'll probably revert back after 2025. I'd be surprised if that one gets extended. But for the next eight years here, um, the, the exemption is going to go from $5 million to $10 million per person, and that's based on the 2011 numbers. So actually now it's going to be, it's going to be uh, $11 million for an individual, up to $22 million for a couple. Yeah, so covers not, most people. It's going to cover most people. Not too many people are going to have estate tax issues for the next eight years. So... Pretty interesting thing there. Um, last couple ones here. Uh, the alternative minimum tax for the years beginning uh, next year, for the next eight years, the alternative minimum tax exemption amount is going to increase to 109000 for married taxpayers, um, half that amount for, uh, for individuals. So, um, yeah, that's pretty good. That's, that's a nice increase in the alternative minimum tax, which has been needed because mm-hmm. that's been catch, catching more and more people. Right. So they fixed that problem. And then there's the individual mandate, which is a big deal. Of course, the Democrats have railed against this. The bill is going to eliminate the penalty imposed on taxpayers who don't obtain insurance that provides at least uh, the minimum essential coverage after 2018. So you're not going to have to buy insurance. Uh, you know, this has been a contentious item. The Democrats have said that amounts to a big cut in Medicaid since less people are going to choose to buy insurance and use the subsidies. So they won't get the subsidies because they're choosing not to buy insurance. Of course, it's voluntary. So, you know, don't believe all the hype you hear in the media about this tax bill. It's not an increase in taxes for people in the lower class or, or lower income levels. This is a voluntary thing. I mean, if you if you call that a tax increase, then you also have to call the lottery a tax, even though it's voluntary. Mm-hmm. And they're not willing to do that, so it's not a tax. So that's that's just that's just kind of unwinding Obamacare a little bit. 
by reducing, by eliminating the individual mandate. Yeah. But it's a, it's a big first step in unwinding Obamacare. So they um, kind of took a backdoor approach at that. It's a meaty bill, and uh, yeah, good good time to come in, right? It I mean, really is. I, I'm really optimistic about this, John. I think this is really going to stimulate the economy on the corporate side. Um, not only is it going to put more money in everybody's pockets almost immediately, but at the corporate level, it's going to increase earnings and make corporations a lot more competitive. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty optimistic. Yeah, I am too. I'm I'm, I'm positive. Um, it's uh, it's been a long time coming. I mean, I, I know they've been talking about this for a while. I'm amazed they got it in this year. I am so. amazed. I, you um, know, they won't be able to say that the Republicans didn't get anything done this year because yeah. that's a that's a big one. But it should help the middle class. And it and will. people say they're it saying will. that it's not is that's not accurate. It's not accurate. They're taking that that the Obamacare um yeah. mandate and they're calling that a tax increase, that, that's absolutely not true. Yeah. So there's no way they can couch that. And you also can't say that it that it helps the higher income folks, uh, you know, disproportionately, because it doesn't. I mean, somehow they're like factoring in the estate tax exemption, and they're trying to average that into tax yeah. savings over the years. That's not true. I think overall it's positive. It's pretty positive. Yeah. And it is weighted toward middle and lower income folks. Which it should. It should be. Exactly. So there you go. That's the tax bill unpackaged. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question has to do with um, leaving your job and what should I do with my finances? So if you know you're going to leave your job, maybe you're um, going to, you know, that's shutting down. Maybe you know you're going to be fired or you're just looking. Um, you know, having cash on hand is always a good strategy. I right. think if you call Dave Ramsey up on his program, he says when you're having a life event, build cash. Um, kind of stop where you are. If you're paying off debt and, you know, if you have cash, it can help to um, to smooth issues, transition issues in jobs. So um, I would say build cash. That would be the, the very simple answer, but it's very effective. Absolutely. I'd say, yeah, I mean, it, you need to have part of an overall transition plan, I think. I mean, I think you need to have a plan that figures out, you know, how you're going to cover your medical insurance when you change jobs. I mean, what that's going to look like, um, your living quarters, education expenses, you know, you got to have a plan for, for all of that. So update your retirement plan, have a transition plan for knowing how you're going to finance things and cover things, you know, during this job change. Yeah. So and uh, it happens. It does happen. This actually a was a question from uh, one of Danielle's friends that we were talking with this, this last week. So I'm um, just kind of giving her some advice yeah. you know, on what to, what to do. And, and so then once um, you get done, you got to figure <laughs> out what to do with your rollover, your, your 401k. Yeah. Don't right. leave that there. So Good question of the week. All right. And that leads us up to our next topic here, and that is avoiding the money pitfalls of past generations. Yeah, these are some good tips. Yeah, you know, the first one, I'll just d- dive right into it, Steve. Um, you know, we, we understand some mistakes that past generations have made, and and one of them is is not living, um, you know, below your means and refraining from living on margin. Um, so you got to ask, ask yourself the question, how much do you save per month? Um, Americans a long time ago usually used to save about 10% or more. Um, either depositing those into savings or some type of investments. Um, today in, in Europe, um, this article talks about 12% is what's saved, and in Mexico, 21%. It seems, wow. a, little, seems a little high. <clears throat> but, um, sure does. Yeah, but, so this comes from the, the marketing uh, pro that we subscribe to. So um, they have these all disclosed and so forth. But if you go back into the 70s, Steve, the savings rate in the U.S. was about 17%. And this year, we see about a 4% savings rate. And one of the reasons is credit is so easy to get. And a lot of people are using credit and they'll overspend in a strong economy. And 
Um, so you got to remember to pay yourself first, not the credit card companies. And I like this expression, collect experiences rather than possessions. Absolutely. Right. Cause possessions are, you know, they're just, they're, they're, they will go by the wayside and they exactly. will, they will depreciate. They're not wealth building. Most of them are not wealth building tools. Have great experiences with your family. Yeah, that's a good absolutely. Way of doing it. Yeah. I do that with vacations. But <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> so, um, for, for those of you, I mean, also, Recognize there's no sure thing with investments. Um, that's another good uh, pitfall to avoid here. Investors found out in 2000 and 2008 that when things shifted in the financial and housing markets, you know, there weren't sure things. I mean, you really had to be prepared for that. You know, what returns 15, 20 percent of the year now, um, you know, may not next year or three years on. So diversification matters. You never know what asset class might take off um, next year or might plummet in the future and affect your allocation across different investment types. So you want to be spread out. You want to be diversified, eight to 10 different asset classes. You want to reduce your overall risk in your portfolio. You know, don't count on some kind of sure thing. Just because Bitcoin's taken off, you don't want to you don't want to invest in Bitcoin. Yeah, right? and I see a lot of people investing in the, they call them the FANG stocks, you know, yep. Facebook, uh, Apple, Netflix, and, and Google, because they've done so well. And so you got to be very, very careful. History shows that this can be a fatal investing strategy. I mean, think about technology in the early 2000s. You look at real estate in, in 2008, and you go all the way back into the 1600s, and they had it back then, Steve. Tulip mania. Tulip mania. Yeah, That's right. Go. We know that. We know about that in the investing industry. So it's not unusual to, to have these bubbles. So you got to be very, very careful. You also have to look at out into the future. A 30-year retirement, you know, someone that's 65 years old is projected to live to, to about 84 years old. And with advances in healthcare, I mean, 95 is becoming the norm for a 35-year-old. So really got to look into the future and plan for a long retirement. Yeah, let's hope so. That's good. That's a good one. Right. Also, I mean, plan your retirement first, you know, and your children's college education second. Um, don't get the cart before the horse there. I mean, some baby boomers did that in reverse, and to some who did, they wonder if they made the right decision for their futures because college students, you know, they can work, they can receive financial aid. For senior citizens, you're retired. It's a different story. There are no loans for retirement, are mm, there? They're not. As Dave Ramsey famously says. That's right. Exactly right. So another one here, Steve, is to switch jobs for better pay. I mean, you think about generations ago, People tended to stay at the same job for several years or longer, you know, whether their prospects were promising or not. So today, if a better job lures you, don't be ashamed to leave your current employer. Uh, you may gain financially. I mean, you know, you got to look at what your market value is out in the in the uh, workforce. Um, if you look at um, some of the stats from ADP, they're a payroll processing giant. They found that a job change resulted in average pay increase of about 5%. Uh, for the workers. So if you don't feel valued or, you know, if you don't feel like you're paid correctly, it's okay to look outside. Yeah, absolutely. Good tip. Yeah. Also don't panic when the market drops, you know, when markets take a nosedive, I mean, stay the course, you know, dust off that old retirement plan, um, focus on the future. Remember that the market has dropped 10% or more, had a correction is what that is. On average though, once per year, going all the way back to 1900. So, you know, it's a very common thing for markets to go through a correction. Markets go up historically more than they go down. Uh, about 70% of the time, markets go up. 
So instead of panicking, maybe you should just rebalance, you know, which means you should take a little bit of what's high and buy a little bit of what's low. Get back to the right allocation that you originally were at. So rebalance your portfolio or add m- more money if you can. Mm-hmm. If you got some money sitting on the sidelines, got some dry powder, put it in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Steve, bottom line is, is if you're investing in the stock market, you, you have to have the fundamental belief that markets will increase over time. And of course, you know, we all know past performance does not guarantee future returns, but the market has always recovered. If you're diversified in a good, you know, well-diversified portfolio, like we talk about, they've always recovered. There's never been a time that they have not recovered. Now, sometimes it's taken, you know, weeks, months, and even years to do that. But if you have a strategy that kind of fits into that, then you can get through some of the, the downturns. So, um, you know, make sure that you have a plan. And, um, you know, if you have questions, you know, maybe sitting down with um, a financial advisor makes sense. Maybe uh, a CPA at this point as you're looking at the new tax situation for next year. But do some planning. There's a lot of complicated things in, in finances. And uh, we can certainly look back at our, our parents and our grandparents Many of them did really good things, um, but sometimes we can learn from their mistakes as well and make sure we don't repeat them. Absolutely. All right. Great topic. And that leads up to our last thing here, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, there's a company out there. It's, it's called Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R, and uh, they can help for all kinds of things, creating logos, business cards, characters, um, genealogy, and, and who knows, Steve, maybe uh, Santa can even help out with a little voiceover. Yeah, maybe. that's right. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, Fiverr is a great resource, particularly for anybody with a small business or somebody that, you know, has a lot of the, a lot of the creative things that you, you want help with. Um, yeah, I mean, they can do logos. They do them for like five or 10 bucks. I mean, so Fiverr, it means nothing. five, five dollars, right? Oh, that's is it. That, is that what it is? Okay. I don't know. I, I mean, don't I, know. Yeah, I think you're right. Fiverr. That Fiverr. makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of these voiceovers that we have, it's not really us doing the voiceover, right? Should we go oh, ahead and admit that? Oh, John, you I, gave that away. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we that. actually do use Fiverr quite a bit, yeah. and it's just it's great just to try something out. You know, if you want to just see what they come up with, it's five, five bucks. Yeah. It's nothing. You know, you got somebody in India that's very creative and ba-boom, man. They come up with something and it, it might look great. You know, Abby's used it um, in her little photography business. Um, just, I know we know quite a few people that have used it. It's a great resource. So look that up. Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R. And uh, you can get all kinds of things done. You can get business cards, you know, caricatures, genealogy, research. I mean, I think there's a whole bunch of stuff yeah. available. Santa's branching out a little bit. He doesn't just do toys anymore. He's doing some voiceovers for Fiverr. He's working yeah, on the side. You pretty know. neat. Yeah, he's good at it, too. Hopefully he's saving in his Roth. Hope so. You think he yeah. is? He probably listens to us. He better. He better put that five bucks away. Yeah. yeah. I think we had to pay a little more for that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, this has been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week for more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, Richard Young Associates, 706 739-0725. Thanks for listening and have a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from all of us at MoneyMD. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 